Hello everyone, and welcome to the show. My guest today is Chris Tomes. Chris is the owner and operator of One Step Beyond, a photography company, and is also a reservist in Canadian Forces. In this episode, we discuss the photography industry, his journey in photography, and how the military played a role. I hope everyone enjoys the show, and please welcome Chris Tomes. Hey, how's it going, Chris? Not too bad, not too bad, Peter. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well, and I'm actually, I'm actually really excited for Christmas this year. I'm not sure why it's not going to be anything big or fancy, but I guess I'm really excited to just enjoy family time, relax, and not worry about all the craziness going on. Oh yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. How am I, how am I sounding on your side for audio? Sound good. You sound good. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. I think last time I saw you, you had a nice uh, big beard going on. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can you can ask me about that. How come I don't have the beard anymore? That that could be a point of conversation because uh, I ended up uh, basically auctioning it off for um, kids' sport. So uh, okay. it, my big goal was that I was going to raise a thousand dollars to take it all off, and within the first day, I was uh, I got fifteen hundred, and then it blew up from there. That's yeah, so. And was it like for a specific, yeah. a specific kids sport or just like in general for just kids sports in general? No, the, the organization is actually called Kid Sport. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how's, how's the year been for yourself? Yeah, it's been up and down. Uh, a couple uh, a couple really neat things happen. Like, uh, um, yeah, it's some really good stuff. Are we recording yet? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we're live. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. I, I I was I wasn't too sure if we were actually going into the whole podcast. If you're going to do a little preamble or anything like that. Well, I, so, kind of, I kind of keep it kind of casual, keep it like light, and keep it like almost like a conversation. All right. All right. Yeah, I I did take a little lesson, but I wasn't too sure which way we were going to go with mine. But uh, yeah, uh, talk about this year. Uh, there's uh, they, they said uh, some people are thriving, some people are surviving. Uh, I was. Uh, I was actually almost at times I was really thriving uh, in here, mm-hmm. uh, economically wise, uh, surviving. Yeah. But uh, but then my headspace, I was definitely thriving. Uh, there was a couple good wins uh, that happened. Uh, I was uh, I was actually uh, interviewed by Nicole York uh, from uh, F Stoppers, which is. Uh, Basically, I uh, did a uh, video podcast with her, and it was uh, it was basically like being interviewed by Sports Illustrated if you're in the sports industry, right? Oh, so that was a that was a big win. Um, I did a couple other uh, podcasts, stuff like that. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm graced by being on your conversation and that and broadcasting on your means. So thank you very much for the invite on that. Um, I got to. Uh, Speaking about the thriving thing, I got to pivot a little bit and do a little bit more artistic work. 
than my actual run of the mill uh, corporate photography. Uh, a couple corporate clients uh, really saw the value in what I did, so they came back, and when I could shoot, I shot some stuff for them. So it's so it's been uh, it's it's been up and down, uh, like almost any year, but uh, but uh, definitely uh, making the best of it, mm-hmm. making the best of it, and that's that's a big thing that uh, that I'm has been my theme throughout. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I saw a couple of your Facebook videos talking about, I think, surviving, thriving, kind of talking about mindset. And, and yeah, some people yeah. probably took this uh, time to slack off, maybe. I know at, the, at least at the beginning of the lockdown in March, I know I drank a bit too much for sure and enjoyed myself. And But other people, you know, they look for opportunities. Maybe what's something else I could do with my time. Maybe I can do something creative. And again, so, yeah. so I think I was really looking for the opportunities. You actually touched on uh, uh, Thursday thought. That's one thing that I kept on doing through throughout. I actually started that over a year ago, uh, November fourteenth in twenty nineteen, and it was actually uh, 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 a weekly thought process, no more than a minute. Uh, sometimes as quick as thirteen seconds of me just saying, sharing what's actually in my head, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully benefiting the greater audience in my circle. Uh, it started out to be just a. Uh, a conversation with myself and a few people that I kind of figured would be listening, uh, kind of, and it actually ended up becoming a greater conversation to uh, my greater circle, stuff like that, and and ended up finishing up doing a year of those straight uh, this past November, and now I'm back into it, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm keeping on uh, doing it throughout the, the next year. Or so, so yeah, Thursday thought hashtag Thursday thought uh, you could probably find it on instagram or uh, on facebook yeah i think yeah i think it's perfect because i think some people need the some positive messages some i guess messages to keep on going because again you know people are especially being locked up in your own house you know you can definitely go a bit crazy and <sighs> your mental stability could be unhinged somewhat and yeah people need some some guidance some hope some positivity just to sometimes get through the day get through the week and it's great that you do something like that Thank you, thank you. And it's also also a couple of things that I also do talk about is I actually do remind people that it's they actually I also remind them about their own strengths, right? Mm. Because some some people are like, oh yeah, I knew that, I got that. So basically, I'm giving the uh, third party validation to them and confirming what they already understand to be true. Mm. So that's it's it's not just about uh, helping people get through it, but it's also confirming with other people on on that they're actually have their head in the right headspace. So that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'll look at, uh, I guess, a couple of your YouTube videos there that you sent me. They're great, by the way. Especially uh, when you and your, uh, your military gear taking photos. and Yeah, but uh, you're looking, looking pretty sharp there for sure. And But uh, I, think you, <laughs> I think you mentioned that um, your kind of, I guess, interest in photography started way back in your childhood, um, I guess, for your, because of your father. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, I come from a third generation of storytellers. Uh, my grandma, my grandpa, uh, my dad, uh, they all, they all told stories. And my dad had a camera that uh, he'd actually keep, uh, keep around. And, uh, it was the unblinking eye of my youth. And, uh, it, uh, it is something that sort of grew into my life and actually, made me want to become a storyteller. And since I'm not a good painter or drawer, I kind of figured that uh, I'd leverage uh, technology and start with 35 mil film and then uh, move on to the digital age. 
Yeah. And uh, and I guess you mentioned you kind of got more experience off. I think it was it was it high school photography, high school yearbook you were doing back in high school. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then yeah, it was it was. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. 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 No, no, you go ahead. But no, that's good. Yeah. On top of that, I think uh, your, your military journey um, also, has, in a sense, it's, uh, kind of, uh, you, men, you also mentioned redundancy in your military career, how you repetition, 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 almost maybe all, almost like a solid foundation for your future photography career. Yeah, it, it, it was. It was, uh, it was kind of interesting because when I was in high school, stuff like that, uh, I was part of dance committee. Uh, I played sports and then I got into, uh, photography because, uh, I really liked the rock and roll scene. There was, uh, different photographers that in- inspired me when I was, was back in the eighties in high school. And, uh, I decided that uh, I either wanted to go uh, study photography or find a job that actually can uh, give me the skills. So unfortunately, I didn't have enough money to go to uh, Seneca or I actually wanted to go down to Berkeley in California and California and learn photography. So since I didn't have that money, I joined the Army. And the Army uh, said, yeah, it's cool that you want to be a photographer and you want to join the Air Force, but you got to go do some Army time. So that actually ended up being a blessing in disguise. A year and a half in, I found out that I like blowing stuff up and jumping out of airplanes and that sort of idea of, of being in the military. And uh, I ended up doing that and pursuing that in my career. But the photography actually stayed with me and the chance to practice and use my craft as a secondary duty uh, while I was in the military uh, helped me build on those skills and the repetition of actually shooting in austere conditions, the... Uh, learning the good habits of backing up information, uh, making sure that stuff doesn't get lost, uh, has served me well. And, and when I ended up taking my retirement from the regular force, uh, it was it. I already had all these tools that from doing it over and over again, these had become habits and I could leverage them actually in my civilian uh, career. Yeah, nice. And uh, when did, uh, first of all, what is your photography business called? And when did, when did it actually come about? Was it during your military career, like on the side, or was it post uh, regular force? Well, the, the business is called One Step Beyond. It's O N E S T P B E Y O N D dot C A. It's uh, the name comes from an old uh, ska song from uh, Madness. And it actually started off as a side hustle. Uh, making t-shirts, believe it or not, and mm-hmm. doing skydiving video and photography. So when I was in the military, the military spent a lot of money to teach me how to jump out of airplanes. And uh, during the 90s, the, the budget cuts, stuff like that, we weren't jumping as much. So I decided to start civilian skydiving. And uh, through that, uh, I had to augment my my income in the military because it can get quite expensive. And so I started a t-shirt company uh, and uh, using uh, my video skills, my photography skills and skydiving. And that's sort of like the first version of one step beyond. So it was photography and video in the air and cool t-shirts. And then I gradually uh, migrated to shooting more on ground and doing more editorial, more ground-based photography, and it just kept on, kept on morphing on that. So it was a side hustle while I was in the military uh, for for quite quite many years. In fact, actually, uh, ninety-eight is when when it actually started off, and uh, that uh, that kept on evolving. And uh, next, you know, I have a client base, and next, you know, I have a uh, wicked skill set, and it was almost like a big old game of Tetris. Everything started falling into place, and then. 
next to Boom, I'm a civilian. Uh, and my side hustle is now the military as a reservist, but my full-time gig is a photographer and a videographer. So it's, uh, it's neat how it flipped, uh, back in 09. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and well, I guess what about the military itself? So I know in some of your videos, you're talking about how the military kind of taught you some valuable skills. Like what, I guess, skills from the military itself kind of helped you in your photography business? Well, the first thing is, is creating processes, right? Um, there's, there is a time to actually to do your planning, right? And believe it or not, a lot of people says, "Oh, well, I don't want to plan all the creativity out of it." Well, the thing is that if you if you come up with a basic plan, it'll give you something to improvise from. Um, just like a jazz musician, right? When you when want to watch some some really uh, avant garde jazz musician play and, and 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 freestyle or a freestyle rapper, like they they have the basis already nailed down and they have a basic sort of plan that they that they leverage and then from that because I'm jumping off point to to be creative, right? So so it's 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 all about that, right? So the army taught me how to plan. And it also taught me how to adapt and improvise. So those are skills that came from the military. Also being uh, backed up because knowing that uh, that things do happen and sometimes things get broken, sometimes things get lost, uh, backing up uh, my client's work. Like as the saying goes, one is none, two is one. Uh, so if you only got one copy of a photo, it doesn't really exist. If you got two copies and you at least got one, because if you lose one, you got to back up. Mm-hmm. I actually go a little bit farther than that. I go three, two, one, right? So any client work that I have, uh, I have three copies of it. Uh, and I have two copies that are in different formats and I have one copy off site, which actually comes back to the military time is that when we used to do reconnaissance patrols and stuff like that, we go do a scouting mission on, on, on a location would pull back, we'd write down everything that you saw in three copies. So one would stay with the, the patrol leader like myself, one would go to my second in command, and the third copy would go to what's called a runner. So if anything happened on our way back to friendly lines, we could scatter, and there's a very good chance that one of those three copies would get back to the commander. So I took that, I leveraged it in my civilian world, and then bounces back and forth so it's uh it's a couple of those little skills that a lot of people don't think about mm-hmm. exactly exactly and and i guess through the military i think i correct me if i'm wrong you uh, use photography as well within the military to almost promote the canadian forces and kind of show who who we actually are as a canadian military because i think sometimes because we're so close to the states obviously bordering us sometimes i guess we can get lumped together occasionally because we are so close we are aligned with them but I guess, how has that journey been in regards to like the military kind of showing who we actually are? Sorry, we got a phone call coming in. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah, um, I thought I had everything turned off, but uh, unfortunately it, uh, it- <laughs> It happened. Uh, so, but back to what you were saying, what there's so that dramatic pause, hopefully it wasn't too noisy or ringing in your ear. Uh, yeah, differentiating us from the Americans. Um, I was part of the Canadian Forces Parachute Team at Skyhawks, which is a uh, parachute demonstrated team that's uh, drawn across Canadian Forces. It's an Army Sergeant unit, and we're very different than the uh, Navy SEALs uh, Leapfrog Team, the Golden Knights, and uh, a bunch of other parachute team so it's uh 
it's very important to uh, to differentiate because Americans are really cool and I love them as allies, stuff like that. But their culture is a little bit different than mm-hmm. the Canadian culture. And by using photography and video, uh, we actually are able to actually differentiate us from them. It's uh, it's it's kind of neat because with a picture you can explain so much and you can just explain the different culture, right? So, so that that was that was kind of cool to be able to do that for three uh, three tours with the Skyhawks, right? Yeah, and uh, with I guess with the Canadian military and the I guess Americans, what are I guess some maybe some cultural difference that you kind of learned like throughout your journey with the military that maybe we're kind of unaware of as like a regular civilian. Um, the one thing that actually is kind of interesting is that the Americans uh, generally, on a whole, are a lot younger in, in the service. Right? Uh, we uh, we we do we do recruit young. Uh, uh, you have to be seventeen to join. But uh, that being said, is that we uh, we actually end up with people that are that stay longer in the career. So we'll end up with uh, people that are uh, in the military that are corporals that are like forty years old. And in the American military, if you're forty years old, you have to be a first sergeant, or you'd have to be up the the chain of rank because they have this thing called up or out, right? So if you don't if you don't if you don't advance and take uh, and qualify for the next promotion uh you you don't get to stay in the military uh canadians are a little bit different is that we we understand that some people just want to be a corporal and if they're if they're competent being a corporal and they they're they're good to go uh they know their job inside and out and that's as far as they want to go they don't want to be a leader they they just want to be a good soldier they we, we will let them stay at that rank so so there's a, so that's sort of difference from the from the Americans. Uh, also, too, is that uh, our culture is very different. Uh, just like Canadians and Americans, we look the same, and we we sometimes talk very similar. Uh, but we do have different value systems to a certain degree, right? Mm-hmm. So we're we're more of a mosaic than a uh, melting pot. So that's another thing too, right? So so we do have we do have that differentiation, right? Like. Uh, yeah, so that's 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 some of the stuff. Also, the way we also train our soldiers, uh, you can end up in the American military being a, in a, what's called a stream. So basically, you will only know a finite amount of skills, and you'll never ever go left or right. So if you're if you're a, uh, a military mechanic, yeah. that's all you ever sort of know, right? Uh, if you're if you're a driver, that's all you ever know. Well, in the K Army. We do have a trade that is that is a driver, and we do have a trade that's a mechanic that is very in depth in how to do those trades. Our common soldiers are also trained, so basically, our regular infantry soldier also learns driver skills, also learns maintenance skills, so they can do some mechanical work. So that is one of the differences, also by the, the American military and Canadian military, because we're also very small yeah. in comparison to because they can have. Yeah, so they can have specialties, and we can actually uh, be a little bit more generous and share share the opportunities, right? Yeah, yeah, I think um, that's I think that's why we're kind of all um, known as a, a, like a really, a really well trained army and one of the best trained armies out there because, our, like you mentioned, our soldiers are you know they have their probably their certain if they're mechanic or driver, everyone's trained and everyone's well rounded, so to speak. So. If, if one person's um, you know you can't reach the mechanic, well, then if, as regular soldiers, we may have tools and tips to fix our own machinery, fix our own truck, instead of waiting for that one specific mechanic who may be tied up with another vehicle somewhere else. So 
I think that's invaluable. And, and one thing I know for sure we differ in is, I mean, for sure in sports and specifically football, I know they're 100% crazy about their sports. And um, well, you, you know my father. Um, him and I went to a, a game in Bo- a couple of games in Boston, um, I think back in 2015, I believe. And we went there about five hours before the game just, just to hang out, chill, go get some food at a restaurant. And the parking lot was already packed and there's lamps already out the doors. It was mayhem out there. So they're, they're definitely passionate about their sports down there. <laughs> and um, I guess... Oh, well, I, <laughs> sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to step on you. Uh, we're kind of like that way too for hockey. Yeah. And, uh, and if you talk football... Excuse me, excuse me, just had a cough. Uh, if you talk football, if you look at uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, right? Yeah. Like they are, they are absolutely cock crazy. <laughs> but, but yeah, I know what you mean about Americans. Uh, uh, funny story is uh, I was down, uh, I was down in Kansas City and uh, I was uh, staying at a hotel and I, I don't follow uh, American football too well, stuff like that. And uh, so I, uh, I check into a hotel. We're down there doing some training. I was with the army, and I look out back and I, I see TLD party. So I'm like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." And uh, it's like this massive, massive, massive party. So I go to the uh, front reception and it's like, oh, "The Kansas City Chiefs? Are they they they, they playing or or, or what, what's the story?" Said, no, no, no. That's that's just our high school. <laughs> so this football stadium behind the hotel that I was saying like it was massive. It looked like an NFL, uh, like what I would imagine an NFL. It was like it was bigger than Commonwealth Stadium. Like it was huge, and the number of people was huge. And it was actually just high school football. It was Friday Night Lights, man. Yeah. It, was, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and also you had your college, and then they packed those stadiums to hundreds of thousands of people, which is absolutely. Just mayhem out there with sports, but you know you gotta love it. Sometimes there, it's a good time to be around when they're having tailgate parties and good to let loose. And and uh, with the photography, so I know you mentioned you kind of started um, one step beyond back in '98 as a side hustle. Um, I guess what has I guess the journey been because '98 was also pre technology, and then also as we got through the iPhones and and all this diverse technology. I mean, have you seen um, like maybe maybe I guess early on in the technological age uh, made a decline in professional photography or has it always been a constant thing? Because I know people, iPhones have a pretty decent camera for the average Joe there. But have, so have you seen a change in professional photographers, professional, a need for professional photography? Um, yes and no. Uh, let's, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little story uh, from back in, it. Uh, I think it was 87, 88. Yeah, so it was before, it was just before I was joining the, the military. I was working in a small studio and it was also, we also sold cameras in the front end. And um, I remember, I remember a couple of these old selfie types because we ended up with this camera called, uh, by a company called Rico, which is, is actually part of Minolta, which is what I gave myself. And the big thing that they were talking about is like, this camera is going to destroy the professional photography industry. And this was a 35 mil film camera. But it had autofocus on it, and and everybody's like, "Oh, this is going to kill the industry and stuff like that." And then one of the older guys that sort of used to hang out at the studio, who's who was a military uh, photographer as well, uh, he said, "Well, you know, I remember when we talked about this when thirty-five mil came around." 
because you used to have four by six and you used to have eight by 10 cameras. And those were the cameras that you use for professional photography. So with the development of the 35 mil film, it lowered the uh, bar of accessibility and it didn't ruin the industry. Um, we ended up with the autofocus camera, lowered the, uh, the bar of entry, but did not ruin the industry. The, the capabilities actually went up. Then you end up with the digital age coming in and it didn't ruin the industry. There's a lot of people that are out there that are undercharging for their work, but the need for professional photography has not dropped off because if you're still looking at the, uh, you're still looking at the, uh, the, the print ads, you're looking online, stuff like that. You're seeing a lot of professional photography, right? Um, a lot of stuff has changed where people don't maintain the staff of photographers anymore, but there are still requirements for photographers. And uh, I'll give you a prime example. I have a photograph for the rec room and Snowflake Odeon. And that was back in 2016. And they, they understand the value of the photography because we end up spending a week with a crew of, let's see, 25 models, bringing uh, two, uh, two makeup artists, stylists, uh, seven grips. I have my uh, data image uh, tech, three art directors, uh, one production manager, and uh, one uh, lighting rep. And we worked, we worked like like crazy for for a week to create content that they could use over the years. So, so there's there's still the need for that quality, right? Because yeah, you can you can do some editorial and you can do some lifestyle with your iPhone. And trust me, I can turn around and actually shoot a cover of a magazine with iPhone. But it's not because of the camera. It's actually because of what's actually in my head and the technology that I have invested in training my brain, right? So, uh, using online tutorials, learning schooling, uh, learning the equipment, like so. So, so getting on Skype or Zoom and talking to other photographers, right, and and sharing information. So, so that's that's the biggest uh, thing that's affected uh, photography, professional photography, is is the technology of actually communicating with other photographers. Uh, but uh, yeah, the cameras cameras will come and go. Pretty soon, we'll be able to blank and 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 catch pictures, right? Like Google Glass, they were trying to do that, right? And it's actually, you'd be wearing around a camera, right? That you could actually monitor stuff like that. And there's going to be technology where you can actually, right now, where you can actually stack multiple images to get a focus image, right? Uh, there is a lot of technology that's, that's doing that sort of stuff. But the thing is that it'll still come back to the creative mind of being able to light and uh, and share the uh, and share the, the vision because uh Right here, I could I I don't know if you're recording video, but uh, or you're just doing audio. But if you, if you look at the color palette on on and around me, that's that is something that I thought up in my head and used my skill to, to to leverage it. Other people have these tools in the house, but they're not using them, right? So so that's 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 the big thing about professional photography and the need for it, right? Uh, uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's just what you do with the tool, right? Because everyone has an iPhone. But I think well, most, well, I guess, the majority of us are you taking selfies, taking pictures of our food, date nights, and all of that. So, and again, and again yeah, going back to creative mind, everyone can have an iPhone, but no, not everyone has the creative ability to think outside the box or think of a concept or idea to capture a moment and. I think um, I think also something that struck me that I never heard before, at least another photographer used, was a visual problem solver. 
that mo most everyone has their title as a, a photographer, or a wedding photographer. I'm a nature photographer, but I don't think I ever heard anyone say visual, uh, visual, um, um, like visual problem solver. How did that idea come about? Well, that's that's the essence of what I do. Okay. I, I I I do two things. Uh, I'm a visual problem solver, and when I'm solving your problem, I'm also making you look good. Yeah. And the making you look good piece is not just uh, making you look good in front of the camera, as you're the subject in front of the camera, but making you look good in front of your boss because they need to, your boss wants to have your product photographed well and out in the marketplace. So I make you look good in front of your boss. I make you look good in front of the camera if you're in front of the camera. And uh, I do that by solving your problems visually, giving you credibility. Yeah. Because a lot of people are now pivoting online, mm -hmm. and if you don't, if you don't communicate with your audience with with a good imagery, with a good imagery, you you don't you don't communicate right because there is something now even more so to the saying a picture's worth a thousand words, a thousand words, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I was thinking about that actually today. I'm um, watching your videos because I was thinking traditionally the first impression would be you know you dress up maybe in a suit and tie or if you're a lady dress very professionally for an interview. You also judge by how you shake someone's hand, how you're dressed, your mannerisms. But now majority of the resumes and job postings. Well, I don't say majority, but at least a lot of them you send you submit your resume online and then like you said they'll probably check out your Facebook, your Instagram. How are you portrayed on your social media? Are you, do you look, do you look like a partier all the time and you're just in a picture holding five beers? Or again, do you have that nice professional photograph that say, hey, this guy looks dependable, he looks trustworthy. Hey, let's bring him in for an actual interview now. So I think that dynamic exchange and, and having that, I guess, again, that kind of storytelling on your, your page can make or break if you get the job or not. Well, that, that is so true. <laughs> Back in the day, uh, I knew I knew people hiring managers would look at your shoes to see if they're polished, yeah. to see if they're well, well, well worn and and taken care of, right? And now your online persona is now those polished shoes, right? Mm -hmm. Are you taking the, the time and the effort to 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 go to the next level? There are some people that think that oh, I want to just be genuine. Yeah, you can be genuine with a well polished image, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think I saw something because I, I imagine being in the military, you know, being trained in combat and obviously, um, probably being um, in some rough terrain for sure. I know you probably weren't staying in night five, five star hotels when you're being posted for sure, right? So I imagine experiencing, um, in, being in a, a rough terrain. I imagine that gave you almost maybe, uh, another skill where you'd be able to, I think you mentioned that you're able to shoot for photographs in just various places, locations, poses and, Working in austere conditions is definitely uh, it's definitely giving me some skills to be able to think, react, and create on on uh, on a moment's notice uh, without the uh, being distracted by the environment. So so that is that is that is giving me a little bit of a skill there. Uh, but it's it's just getting comfortable with the equipment, right? Uh, uh, there's a lot of photographers that that do that as well uh, in uh, in the industry, and the thing is that. Being a being a military photographer where you're gathering intelligence stuff like that, yes, it's important that you're doing it, but you don't have an art director breathing down your neck uh, with somebody on the phone from Toronto that's uh, that's vetting everything, every 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 pixel that you're creating, right? Mm -hmm. So, 
So it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's almost like apples and oranges, but uh, when when you so so physical physical uh, stress is a little bit different than mental stress. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And I guess what would be one the the most I guess unique or most memorable photo shoots you ever done in your uh, I guess your career or your business? Is there like a unique moment where you're like, you know what, that was maybe my best work I felt like I'd done, or do you have like a distinct moment, or do you think, or do you just kind of try to get better after every photo shoot? Um, that's that. That's a bit of a tricky question. Um, there's a lot of shoots that I've done that are, that are very special to me um, because um, because of how unique they were uh, and and the teams that I was working with. Um, but it's it's very different because like the, I was talking about when I was working for Cinepex Odeon and, and the Rec Room and all that, it was like having that massive team. That was that was pretty awesome, right? But then again, uh, I was photographing another photographer, and it was just uh, them and me, and they uh, they saw the work that I did, and they, they them being professional photographers as well were totally amazed. And was in love with what I created them. So that's the highest compliment that you can actually have is when a, another working creative uh, loves the work that you do of them. So it's it, it's it's really hard to quantify. Mm-hmm. So most of the times I just distill it down to my favorite photo shoot is my last shoot, yeah. and the one that I'm looking forward to the most is my next one. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's because a, I know that's going to be. <laughs> well, I was going to say that's a that's a good mindset to have because I think. Well, I think it's especially I I do follow a lot of American football, so what I guess honestly, maybe my passions or interests, and I believe, um, um, yeah, I think I think it's Bill Belichick. If I'm not correct. He's like the one of the most winningest coaches, the coach of the New England Patriots, the team that everyone loved to hate before because they always were in the Super Bowl, playing first in the championship, and he's like, uh, he's like, what's your favorite championship? Oh, the next one. And even though he won six and then nine, he's like, well, my favorite one's gonna be the next one. So it's uh. That hunger and that uh, desire to keep on improving and tweaking skills, and I think that can carry with someone forward because I think you, it's easy to get complacent, especially now with how easy things, um, you can, with the click of button, things can happen for you. It's easy to be like, you know what? I think my skills that's good enough. I'm, I'm comfortable with this, but to kind of say, hey, I don't mind trying new things or improving. It's you never know what opportunities can lie ahead. Yeah, and that's the thing. Then that's when it comes to uh, to being a creative, working in, in a professional field. Is that you do need to practice, you need to evolve, you need to change. Doesn't mean that I'm uh, I'm losing my voice or I'm trying to cater to the general populace, but I'm getting better. I'm, I'm working at becoming better, and just like uh, a golfer, professional golfer, they they go whack a bucket of balls every once in a while, right? As part of the training, they do work on. Uh, skills they do leverage new technology and clubs and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's one of the things you got to keep on growing, keep on working towards becoming better. Uh, today is just not good enough. Yeah, hundred percent. And I know, you know, kind of into the podcast space here. You know, I didn't realize, you no, know, first of all, how much equipment is actually out there in regards to um, recording audio and video and the different mixers and soundboards you can have and the, also your price range. And that kind of stunned me a bit because I kind of just uh, jumped head first into it and kind of learned along the way here. Um, I guess, I guess, um, do you need, I guess as a photographer, do you need to have all the different uh, camera lenses and extensions and different parts or, um, or is it a preference or 
Because I know again, and again, if we're talking about ten gigabit price in regards to the lenses for sure. Yeah. Um, there's a uh, like I don't I don't uh, as much as I like gear and equipment. Uh, I I do keep an eye on uh, technology trends and. I do pay attention to see if it's something that I need to leverage going forward, but I will turn around and I will use every piece of equipment that I have until it wears out or breaks. Because like I said before, it's about all the stuff that's in my head that makes me a photographer, not the, the camera in my hand. I said I could shoot a magazine with an iPhone, right? Mm-hmm do a cover on that. In fact, actually the lens that you're looking at me right now as we zoom is actually a 20 millimeter lens that goes back to my film days. Okay. And this, this lens I've been using for right, yeah, almost 30 years. Wow. Actually, no, not 30 years. Anyway, 25. Call, 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 call me a fibber for five or, <laughs> five or seven years, but, but that's, <clears throat> I can't even remember when I bought it. It's that old. So, uh, I got leverage that technology, right? So, so it's uh, that piece of equipment is 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 going to be in my stable until they don't make bodies. So like I've swapped out bodies as I've worn them out or broken them or or needed new technology. But yeah, it's like you 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 can you can go poor in the industry by buying the biggest set and the most exotic lenses, right? Like. People think that a photographer generally has like 20 lenses. I am working with right now four lenses. Yeah. Yeah. Four lenses, correction, five lenses. I have one specialty lens that uh, I don't use too much. And that was bought specifically for a job. But yeah, with those lenses, I can do anything. Well, yeah. I, yeah. I, I can imagine. Yeah. I could, I could see, you know, you know, people going broke because, you know, well, first of all, you see the, the most expensive item looks the best. It's flashy. It's the name brand. And so easy to purchase. You know, when I was looking at microphones, I think these ones, I think they're about 50 bucks a piece, nothing too crazy. My previous ones, I just upgraded these to my previous ones, they were $25 a piece. But you can get, I think, uh, uh, I, looked at, uh, I looked at like Joe Rogan. I imagine you know who Joe Rogan is. Um, I looked at his, his microphones. I think they're about, per microphone, about $350 a pop. <laughs> And I, and I thought to myself, you know, I, I'm not making the most money right now. I'm just starting out. Like, what's the point of buying this $350 microphone that, you know, if in a year, I might not be doing a podcast, so I'm not enjoying it. So it's like, what's the, what's the point? And, and then I guess, uh, yeah, and again, it's how you use, you know, anyone can buy the most expensive microphone, but if it's sitting in the shelf, not like collecting dust, well, it's almost like a nice $350 receipt almost. <laughs> and throwing up uh, little things like the uh, the egg crate behind you, right? The foam egg crate, right? So mm-hmm. to, to deaden the sound, to, to sculpt it, and actually knowing your strengths and limitations of the mic, yeah. Uh, that's 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 the most important thing, right? Because once once you know how to use something low-tech, when it comes to high-tech, it'll, it'll just be that much easier because you've mastered it, right? 100%. And I guess lately, I know it's... I think with the younger generation, there's a... The, I think it looks, it looks like a whole bunch of retro items are coming back in style, like people wearing those mom jeans that go up to like past your belly button, the big glasses. And I also noticed, um, I think Polaroid cameras are coming back almost in style. Do you see a trend of people buying Polaroids or do you see that trend coming in the, at least in photography or at least personal cameras? 
Well, Polaroids have never gone away. Uh, it's, there's always been a niche market. Same with uh, wet film, uh, 35 mil, stuff like that. that. That has never gone away. There's always going to be that niche and going to be that uh, cool counterculture that goes with it, right? Uh, it's neat to see that uh, Polaroids are actually uh, are, are popping up, but there's always been a demographic that's always used Polaroid cameras, right? So uh, it's it's fun. And the biggest thing about this is that it's uh, about your, your storytelling, right? And I even dabble in Polaroid every once in a while, but that's for very specific uh, jobs and very specific use. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's neat that people are actually getting out there and creating. Yeah. And I think one, one like, I think it's a very old camera. I can't remember what year. This is probably early 1900s. I think it was, is it the Mercury where they had the, the like, camera had to go under the hood and you had the big flash, how to hold like one stick and the big flash. Have you ever used one of those cameras before? <laughs> <laughs> those, those, those are uh, plate cameras, and no, I've never used a uh, plate camera. Um, I've actually, I've, I pretty much, uh, I used a one twenty six millimeter camera, uh, but it was a box camera way back when. Uh, but most of my, all my professional shooting, so like that, has always been thirty five mil or digital. So. And uh, I've done some artistic stuff with uh, 35 mil wet film and Polaroids. But uh, yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't done any of those uh, big plate cameras. Uh, there's a couple people that actually uh, do them really, really well. And that's that's their, that's their whole niche is that that's how they do their portraits. And good on them. They, they, they make very unique uh, images and, uh, and, and they're so awesome. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's interesting. What's well, also interesting to see the evolution of photography and the photo taking and the cameras itself. How you know again, you went from the plate camera to now you get an iPhone where you can just click on a button, you're good to go. No, no big production set or anything like that. And at oh, so what was I going to say? There? I guess in regards to your business, um, you mentioned also your visual problem solver. Is there like a specific goal or? Or a specific point you try to make either with um, per photo shoot or like a, at least a statement you want to get behind in regards to like what actually your property you want to represent. That makes sense. Um, that's I'm, I'm just going to reflect it back to you. So is there a, a certain point that I try to do with uh, to create with every time I do photography yeah. for a client or personal work? Yeah, is there like a constant um, or like? Essence you want to keep with your photography. Well, here's the thing is, is that visual problem solving is that what I am being is I'm being a, a translator, right? Uh, I've, I've taken an individual's concept, uh, a business, uh, a person, and I'm, I'm translating their ideas, their thoughts into photography. Uh, I do have a certain style to it. Uh, and there's a certain thing that makes it look like a Chris TT image that, that has that sort of quality to it. But that is just by the nature of the mechanisms and the tools that I use and the way my brain works. But ultimately, the whole point of my photography is conveying the client's idea. So, so I can have a style, but ultimately, the, the point of the photography is the client's vision, right? When I get it dark, that's a little different. Yeah. But that's 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 me being my own client, right? So 
And I guess well, obviously, does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. It does make sense. You want you want to you obviously want to capture whatever obviously the client wants you to capture, whether it be you know a wedding, a proposal, business. But you all you so you want to capture obviously what they want to capture, but also you have your as you mentioned, kind of your unique style that you add to it to maybe accentuate the photo or to maybe accentuate the point they want to make. That's actually, I just got a good analogy. It's, it's about hamburgers, right? Yeah. Like some people can make a hamburger that's not too bad, right? But to get a crisp gourmet hamburger with my secret sauce and my spices and the condiments I put on it and the type of bun I use, that's what I do. Like, you, you know, you want a hamburgers, you come to me for, for the crisp special, right? Yeah, so. So it almost be like I guess the I'd that would be almost like if you want you want a steak, but if you want the best steak or or whatever, maybe go to say like Gordon Ramsay's restaurant or whatever you so you want that item, but you want that person's style or flavor of that item that you're kind of creating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh, yeah. and he's and do you see um I guess do you what what do you see, I guess, the future of photography? Like as you mentioned you always say there always there's always a need for professional photography in businesses for personal professional photos or weddings. You see, I guess any changing uh, changes happening in the future. Do you see any trends currently happening, or is it pretty much I guess the kind of constant concept of the professional photos? Um, always there's always been a need for product. Right? Um, there's uh, uh, there's stuff that can be rendered in CGI and computers all like that, but there will always be the the, the individuals, the, the lifestyle, the, the product that's going to need to be captured. So that, that's always going to be there. Same with uh, moments, right? Event photography. Uh, when you're having award ceremonies, there's going to be need for photographers for that. So those, those things are always going to, going, to, going to be there. Where it's going to be a little bit more disruptive and, and things change a little bit more is probably stuff like uh, book covers for for fiction or or that sort of like box art, right? Uh, that's going to be that's going to be uh, a, a hybrid of probably a little bit of studio photography and a lot of digital manipulation and three D work. So so I can see that change a little bit more, but I think. I think there will always be an appetite for actual human contact and influence on the uh, on, on the photography, and not just be an algorithm. Just like I said earlier, Polaroid never went away. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 it may not have been on the top shelf and sold all the time, but it never went away. And the reason that it never went away is because it has that human component. And people do crave that that authentic uh, <laughs> authentic experience. I, I couldn't. I was trying to be all wordy word, but uh, I just doubled over my own tongue. Um, so yeah. So I wanted I wanted to be authentic, and and that's what a lot of people want as well, right? So so it's gonna it's gonna be there. It's gonna stay there. Um, a computer cannot get emotion out of a person a lot of times uh, if you're trying to get a genuine open uh, portraiture especially business type um, and you want to be engaging the camera yeah you can put it on sticks and uh, a tripod and jump in front of it and, and hit your uh, your your remote button and, and 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 work through all of it or you can say 
have somebody on the other side of the counter say, okay, yeah, what I want you to do is I want you to tilt your head this way, extend your neck just a bit, show me the edge of your hand, curl your fingers like this, and then boom, done. Okay. That's almost, again, having that, I guess, little, the little tweaks here and there to, you got to accentuate what you want to say in your photo. And, and I, I think, and this is what I hope, because I think after this, uh, all these lockdowns and whenever life goes to whatever normalcy we can have eventually, you know, I think it'll still be a little bit of a while. And obviously it depends on us as a community, as a whole, as Canada to get to where we want to go. But I think there's going to be an upward trend and people probably doing a lot of photography, hopefully when everything opens back up to capture these moments again, because we, we, we probably would think when, is, when when's another lockdown going to happen where we're going to lose these moments again. I think, again, with, whole, with the rise of technology, and I love technology for the like, things it can do, but I think people are craving that human experience, that human feeling, that physical touch, that I can have my photography and I can touch the picture. I can actually see the moment instead of kind of scrolling on your Instagram. And so I think... Um, do you do you think that'll be a kind of an uh, explosion of photography after all this kind of craziness is over? Especially for, yeah, I agree. For, especially for events, I, I get a feeling I'm going to see an uptick of event photography happening. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a big thing. So photo booths, stuff like that. That's going to be a big thing. But here's the thing: is that photography is not going away because product photography has been going through uh, during the COVID. Uh, uh, lockdown stuff like that, uh, and us flattening the curve and bending the curve, and now back into lockdown. Uh, product photography could still happen, um, and some people were getting product photography done because they were pivoting online. Same thing with portrait photography. Right now in in Edmonton, as of today, the uh, the nineteenth of December, you can actually do an appointment with your photographer and get your portrait done. And if you fall, you have to follow all the COVID restrictions, but that, that, that's, that's still happening. And I'm still seeing people doing portrait photography, especially business types, because, um, one of the, one of the fellows, they, they actually, their look changed during COVID, um, because they're, they, they actually, they're not thinned down and they were actually not eating out so much and they're actually looking a lot better. So. They actually came to me to actually get an updated headshot for their LinkedIn, for their business profile, for their company, and all that. So, so yeah, it's 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 still going, and I think I think people are going to be seeing that there's still a need for photography, and and it's it's not going to go away. But when it all gets back to quote unquote normal, yeah, we're going to see a, a big uptick in events. I think a lot of parties, a lot of photo booths, that sort of work. Yeah, hundred percent. And there probably is going to be a, a definitely increase. Probably maybe babies again. Maybe like the second baby boomer generation all over again. Not <laughs> this is over. And, yeah. and uh, I guess uh, for yourself, do you have I guess any uh, current projects on Go AT you can share about what you're currently doing or working on, or is everything just in the works right now? Uh, well, current project right now is I'm doing uh, a little bit of online teaching. Uh, uh, about photography, so there's some people that are that are wanting to learn about photography. So I've pivoted uh, to doing a little bit of teaching, but a lot of it is uh, just just helping uh, business people with their visual problem solving, doing products, doing uh, uh, headshots, uh, doing editorial stuff uh, of their of their products in, in in natural environments. So so that's that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, I'm also doing a little jet setting uh, here and there with Zoom, talking to people over in uh, London, England, stuff like that. Um, yeah, uh, 
Yeah. So it's, 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 it's business as normal as normal can be. Yeah. Uh, I'm still, I'm still going to the studio, still shooting in the studio. Uh, of course, with all the protocols in place mm-hmm. and, uh, and just helping people keep relevant and creating genuine content for their, their online presence. Yeah. That's great. And I think, yeah, well, especially what I've seen is, yeah, again, we're moving to social media is the new, new, either new newspaper or new um, first impression. And that's where people go to look at you. If you post something, they're going to check your profile and see what you're all about. And having, being relevant, especially in certain careers where you need to have a good social media following because it attracts customers, attracts business partners. You need to keep updating your photo, your photo and your photography and your life. And it, it, it's thankful that there's people who are professionals who understand how to take photos and, and also understand how to say what you want to say with an image. And I think that's very valuable and important, especially now. Yes. Um, but do not forget about your website because as we're going through right now, as of tomorrow, the terms of services for Instagram is actually changing on the 20th. So that's going to have a ramification for a lot of content creators that are actually online. And unfortunately, when you're on social media, you're actually in somebody else's uh, playground, stuff like that. So it's very important that you also maintain your web presence, right? Your website, stuff like that, because that area you can actually control a little bit better. And you can actually have the content you want on there. You don't have to worry about uh, who's uh, who's controlling the, the platform, like Facebook, Twitch, uh, Instagram, Twitter, stuff like that. So it's very important that people actually still maintain their web presence, but also I'm, I'm glad people are aware that they do need to leverage uh, the social media to, to have good content on it and actually have engagement with mm-hmm. people. So, yeah. so that's that's something that we, we need to think about too, especially moving forward. Yeah, and I was, I guess, I was the type of person, you know, even though I grew up in the technological age, um, I never really gravitated towards social media until um, I understood it. It's like, hey, this is what life is going to be like. So I kind of need to understand it a little bit to survive. And, and yeah, you're right um, that, you know, Instagram, Facebook, even though we have our profile, it is someone else's platform. And... Again, whatever the reason be, being, uh, again, they can change their uh, terms of service, terms of use, and and not to get too political, but depending what you post, if it's a photo, maybe uh, you know, a certain opinion. Unfortunately, you know, maybe your your, your profile can be gone the next day because whoever is running that platform may not necessarily agree with it. You know, um, and again, would you, I guess, recommend a, a website for? Every person out there, at least have like a, a website to maybe have a profile on there, or would it just be more so if you run a business, or if you're going to be more so in social media? I think uh, I think a couple couple ways. If you're if you're going to be uh, if you're going to be uh, you know, leveraging social media stuff like that, because one thing that that is, that has uh, changed is uh, remember MySpace, right? I, I had a website back in the day of uh, MySpace was a big platform, right? So. I had one step beyond .ca. I had my MySpace uh, platform. It went away. People could still find me from my website. They can see the links to Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, and all that. So that's one of the things that if you want, if you want to stay connected with people 
and you want to make yourself into a bit of a brand, yeah, I would recommend a website. Um, if you're in the, any kind of business, I think that you should probably have a website uh, either for the business or for yourself so you can actually have people that you can refer to because there's there's the social media platforms that are actually uh, uh, breaking links and not uh, allowing people to post to other social medias. So there's there's people that that are having problems with their Patreon accounts not being able to be reached by being on a different platform, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that that may change also coming up too, right? Because remember, the platforms want you to stay on their platform. They don't want to be cross pollinating to Patreon to to uh, LinkedIn to to whatever for whatever reasons because they want you in their environment stuff like that so it's 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 advisable if you're doing anything on social media for any type of business whether personal brand or company is to have a website and and to navigate back to it and that way people always know where to find you and if the next great thing that comes along is the universe platform or whatever, yeah. you know, like they pick a name out of the air. They know to go to one step beyond CA and go to my about page and they can find my link to the universe page. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so long, long, long drawn out question, a uh, long drawn out answer for a, for a kind of a simple question, but a little bit of philosophy in there too. Yeah. Oh, hey, it's all good. We've got time. We've got time. And yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And yeah, I think I'll have to agree with you. And uh, I guess if someone, say if someone doesn't own a business and is not in a business, and I guess for me, for example, you know, I have a, I have a podcast, kind of like a hobby right now. You know, not, you know, if it goes somewhere, it goes somewhere. But, you know, I'm having fun. I enjoy talking to people, learning about other people, their interests, their careers. And I guess for myself, would, it, would you advise as a, as a professional to maybe at least have like a, a website where Again, just because it's not really a business quite yet, because it could be. Would yeah. you, yeah? Would you advise how like kind of a, at least a, like a little website? Yeah, like uh, like you do with your uh, your your different podcast that has all the the link tree to to where you can find it, and that a uh, little one pager. Uh, and of course, the sooner you come up with a good idea for for a website name, uh, the better. It is for you because uh, you can uh, buy the domain name and you can even sit on it for a while. Like, uh, I'm glad I bought one step beyond .ca like years and years ago, right? And I've had a couple, uh, a couple of ideas and I bought a couple other domains and I'm just sitting on them until I decide that I'm going to use them. Like, I have uh, lovephotography.ca and I have coalitionofcool.com and .ca, right? So... So I got those to play with uh, down the road if I, if I want to, but I jumped on those stakes early in the inter- internet age, and uh, now I got the flexibility that I can actually leverage them, right? So, yeah, and I think you also mentioned on your YouTube video um, that if you have a photo, and I think it was uh, I think the example you gave was like Edmonton underscore lawyer, that you can have either an extra Google head or an extra like some sort of more relevance on Google. What's that all about, I guess? Oh, okay. So, so you're talking about optimizing for web. Yeah. Uh, basically, with the websites, uh, Google Google looks for certain words. And if you actually have your own website, you can actually have your, say, say your lawyer, uh, you can have uh, your, your 
say six different pictures and using uh, 006, uh, 001 to 006 with uh, Edmonton underscore lawyer in the name that ends up giving you extra hits for Edmonton lawyer, right? So for lawyer and Edmonton, right? And when Google's bots are looking for words, it, it'll, it'll come up to that and they'll, they'll see that and it'll actually help bump you up when, uh, when people are actually looking for you, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's one of the services that I offer with my uh, visual problem solving because it's good enough. It's, it's good that I'm creating imagery for you, but if I, if it's not branded and leveraged mm-hmm. on your Facebook, uh, on your, uh, on your website, then it's not doing you any good, right? Because when you post imagery on Facebook, it'll rename it to this alphanumeric sequence. It'll strip all the metadata from it. So it is not really searchable at all, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're putting hashtags in the comment or whatever, right? While on your personal web page, outside of Facebook, outside of Instagram, stuff like that, you decide the title of the, the image, right? And by having that title, that image tie into the service you offer, it will it'll help bump you up on the on the rankings and your searchability. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so fascinating because again, I don't think many people even think about that. At least you know, because I think people think as long as I post on Instagram, I got the right hashtags, and trying to figure out the hashtags for me is a is a crazy experience. Just trying to figure out the right ones, what's going to get the most likes. It's, it's crazy, and then in Facebook, and then again, as you kind of going back, what happens if you know if your platform is you know suspended for a while, and people try to search you? Well, that's the only place they know of you. You have a website; it's not it's not really on Google. Well, it's not going to search. It's going to be all the other people who have more the more relevancy and the better, I guess, underscore empty underscore lawyer. They're going to come first before you ever do. Yeah, and remember the Facebook blackout that we had last year in mm-hmm. twenty nineteen. Yeah, uh, the world almost lost it. <laughs> oh, oh man! What do you think would happen? Yeah, I guess. Well, I guess. Well, what do you think would happen if that actually happened? <laughs> if it actually was not just uh, a bunch of hours, it was actually days on end. Yeah. Yeah, like Google has had a little bit of a problem uh, as of late. Uh, also, the, the Gmail was down. Uh, last week, I think, something like that. Uh, but you still could, you could still find, uh, once it beyond photography, uh, through DuckDuckGo or, or, uh, Bing or, or anything else. Right. So, so as long as you, uh, as long as you're hosted and, and you have backups back to the three, two, one, and you're not just in one location, you're, you're, you're set up for success. Right. So 100%. I guess that's chance of, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, less chance of uh, being in Pompeii, right? Like, yeah. volcano blows up, and Pompeii's gone, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that doesn't happen. Well, I think we're good here in Edmonton that there's no major water waterways or volcanoes around. So <laughs> I guess we're good. <laughs> but um, oh, what was I going to say? I was gonna, yeah, back to, I guess, redundancy in the military. I think I, I mentioned this before, but the repetition of doing the single thing over and over again, and I think we might touch on this, but do you do you feel that has, I guess, obviously probably has helped in photography because again, I guess myself and my maybe my generation, we're good. We want that Instagram vacation. We want to be perfect now. Sometimes doing things over and over again. 
can be boring. That's why, you know, certain clips have to be like 10 seconds. It can't be like a whole time. So I guess, how's that, I guess, throughout your career have, has, I guess, helped you, whether it be maybe a shoot you down a thousand times instead of kind of being bored, like, yeah, I've done this before, but that kind of mindset of, hey, you know what, doing things over and over again is going to be maybe better. I imagine that has helped you. Yeah, it has. And every once in a while, um, and it's not just a, a new generation thing, it's, it's just a human thing, okay. is that sometimes sometimes we get fed up with repetition. Like, I remember when I was uh, learning how to do uh, reaching, using a shotgun to reach the doors, right? Uh, to do SWAT type uh, entries uh, in the military, because I don't know the audience who, who knows what. But, anyways, we were using shotguns. To, to blow off the hinges of doors. And I remember one day I shot over a hundred shotgun shells. I was sore. But the thing is that I was like, there was a time that I was almost like, why am I like, why are we doing this so often? And I, that I realized like, yeah, I need to be that good, that quick with being able to bring the shotgun into action and to hit those, uh, those hinges on the door frame that I need this practice. I need to be proficient and it needs to become second nature. And I also remember too, is that years before we talked about, we were bitching about how we didn't have enough ammunition to, to train. Uh, we were under train because we didn't have enough ammunition in our budget. Now that I have more than enough ammunition and I can practice and I have the time and the ability to do it, I should take that gift and actually run with it because time to practice is actually a gift that a lot of people don't get. And that's, that's a human thing, whether you're, you're born like 10 days ago or 10 years ago or, or for a hundred years ago. Right. You know, it's like that, 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 that practice time is a gift and we all, we all do get tired with repetition. Uh, we all have, a certain amount of uh, tension span that we could do it. And I, I'm cognitive about that. I, I do my Thursday thought. My Thursday thought is, is less than a minute. Mm. I make a point of being last minute. And normally, like I said, it's, it's normally 30 seconds, sometimes as quick as 13. So, so it's, it's, it's important that we do the repetition and we actually acknowledge why we do it. And how it's going to give us advantage because back to the jazz, once you know once you know how to play your instrument, then you can freeform. Just like just like a rapper, right? Freestyle, right? You know your basic rhyme schemes, you know, you know how to spit lyrics and you modify those lyrics on call. That's all because of practice. Mm-hmm. And there's people that get it. Even in this quote unquote generation, as everybody says, there there's people that get it because you you see young athletes, you yeah. see young photographers you see young podcasters and they're, they're they're practicing they're learning from every time that they put their stick on the ice or throw a ball or click a shutter yeah 100 percent. yeah and i'll have to agree with you i shouldn't say uh my generation or the younger generation but i guess it's a, just a, I guess another natural human thing it's all oh, it's the younger generation back in my day we used to do this right so <laughs> back, yeah so i have to agree that it's probably a human thing and and yeah, you're 100 right. It's, it's like, like for me, I I was an athlete, so I can resonate with athletes. When you're a professional athlete, it's not like you stop practice. <laughs> it's just because you make it to the NHL or NFL, you got to get to practice more. There's a bigger emphasis on practice. And the fundamentals, catching the balls or doing the passes, just skating on the ice, 
You know, I'll bet you Connor McDavid probably skates the most, even though he's uh, one of the top professionals in the world. Because again, it's that repetition, the reason why he's trying to get better, make it again second nature. When he's in a situation, he doesn't doesn't have to think about striding his skates or taking a stride. It's already second nature. He's done it a million times. He's gonna do it again, and second nature, and then that way you're still second build and have more success. And also too is that uh, the more you practice, the more the ability to create economy of effort, right? Because when you start, when you start optimizing your movements or your thought process or your or your work creating process you you create economy of effort you work faster and you get the gift of time back mm-hmm. and that's that's the thing is that uh when it comes to photo editing i started off photoshop back in 1999 i was using 4.5 which is like the like that was like Creative Cloud, this, that, that was Photoshop 4.5, the fourth version of Photoshop ever. Um, that, that, that program, I started off learning, it was very slow to begin with, but once I uh, practiced more at it, I actually started learning how to be quicker, faster, and create economy of effort. And then I ended up with more free time to either hang out with my friends or work on other skills or or just sit on the on the couch and read a book. You know, it's like because that practice gave me that ability of reclaiming time. Yeah, I guess I never thought in that perspective. I appreciate you saying that, that. You know, as you get better at something, again, editing or reading a book. Well, at first you start reading a book. I think the first time because I'm not much a reader. I I have to get back on the reading train for sure. <laughs> Remember when I first started reading, I think 10 pages took me almost half an hour, 45 minutes. But then after a month or two, it was 10 minutes, 10 pages in 10 minutes. And then boom, I'm condensed my time. So maybe I can read more or I can do something else I want to do. So you think you said perfectly there, right? Well, look at the time here. It's, all, it's been just an over an hour already, just us talking here. Yeah, it goes, it goes by fast here in talking. It's, I, that's why I, I, that's why I really enjoy these loose time talking. For me, it's like how often time do you actually sit down and talk to one another for extensive period of times anymore? It doesn't happen too often, but I guess uh, what would be uh, maybe to end things off? I'll let you end. I'll let you end things off. What would maybe give us like a Thursday thought to end things off with? And again, I appreciate you so much for being here. Thank you so much. It's been uh, awesome getting to know you and your craft, and hopefully, maybe you get a few more uh, clients out of the way here. I always look forward to working with new people and uh, uh, solving their problems and giving them instant credibility online. Uh, well, for for Thursday thought on on a Saturday, <laughs> uh, I'd have to come up with a tag for that. So uh, Saturdays, Saturdays, Thursday thought for Saturday. So uh, what I'm what I'm going to say is, uh, you know what. Um, be cool to each other. Uh, just remember that uh, a good smile, pat on the back, will help a lot more people than you actually know. Uh, be engaged with the community and, and just be cool. Awesome. Love it. Chris, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to uh, speak with me today. And, and when these lockdowns are over, it'll be a great to obviously chat in person one day. So, Hopefully, uh, hopefully you and your family have a wonderful Christmas and holidays and, and a happy new year if I don't talk to you then and uh, I'll, I'll challenge you when I challenge you. All right.
and uh, all the best to your fam jam and uh, it would be great to catch up with all you uh, later so all right, Chris, talk to you soon. yeah